0: Let's pray. Just invite everyone who can hear my voice to lift your voice as Jen was just singing. And you might be a little self-conscious. You might be sitting on the couch with your family or by yourself. or. But God delights in hearing our voice. And so I'd like to pray for four things. And I'd like you to uh, just invite you to pray out loud for them. First, I'd like to pray for those who are struggling physically with tough diagnoses, perhaps at the end of life. I want to pray for my Uncle Chuck, who's on palliative care, and just uh, just want to open up right now to people. Pray out loud for yourself or for others. I want to pray for Brooks, who's uh, struggling with migraines, praying for total and complete healing. Go ahead and raise your voice and pray for, pray for people's health and strength. Go ahead and do that out loud. And Lord, we want to pray for guidance and vocation. We're going to talk about that today. And Lord, a lot of us are in a timeout right now with this pandemic, and it's a chance to rethink where we're headed. And vocation is a lot more than a job or a position. It may or may not be paid, but it's what we do with our lives. It's how we live out your purpose for us, Lord. And I just pray for people who are struggling with their vocation. Some vocations are disappearing during this pandemic. Some are opening up. Go ahead and pray out loud for those people who are unemployed or searching or even for yourself. Lord, as Jen was singing, we, we lift up our, our voices and we pray for financial abundance. A lot of people are in a crunch right now. A lot of companies are in a crunch they're laying people off. They just simply can't pay them. And, and some people within the sound of my voice are struggling with a lot of red ink. And so we just pray. That might even be you. Just go ahead and pray out loud for people you know that are struggling financially. And Lord, this uh, this thing has put a lot of strain on relationships and families and marriages. And for relationships that are struggling, Lord, we pray for restoration. So go ahead and name the people that you want better relationships with. Or some people you know, perhaps, that are married and are having trouble. We lift our voices. You love to hear our voices, Lord, as Jen was singing. You love to hear our voices. We lift our voices to you. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to the well, everybody. I'm so glad that uh, you're here. We're in a sermon series right now on the wilderness and finding our way in the wilderness. And we chose this one a long, long time ago. It was, um, I'm thinking last year, we talked about guidance in the wilderness and living through tough times and all that, and and it's just... Uh, a very timely thing to be talking about. And we're going to be talking today about the Israelites and how they were led through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And in those 40 years, they they were led by God's presence. And it was a, a beautiful and a wonderful thing. And we say to ourselves, hey, why don't we get a cloud? Why don't we get a pillar of flame? It would be so easy for them. They had it easy. They they just follow this thing around and knowing what to do. And we talked about that a little bit during the time on vocation as we were just praying, knowing what to do with our lives and which direction to take. I, Wendy and I saw a YouTube video yesterday that at a micro level, we make about 35,000 decisions a day where we literally make, are we gonna go left or are we gonna go right? Are we gonna put on our right sock or our left sock? All those things and other bigger decisions which show up and our life is a product of those decisions. So how do we know which way to go? I wanna show you a picture here of one of my favorite parts of my life and it was the old Thomas Guide. And for those of you who are younger, you have no idea what a Thomas Guide is. A Thomas Guide was like a spiral notebook map. And we all had one in our car. It was a Thomas Guide. And we, would, we would open it up to different, uh, different pages depending on where we were going, and we would find our way. And sometimes we would drive with it on our steering wheel, just going like this. And the problem with the, the, the Thomas Guide is we would use the same three or four pages over and over, and they would wear out, and the rest of the pages you'd never look at. And they get all brown and kind of wrinkled and the whole thing. And we'd lose those pages. The ones you needed the most you would use, you would actually lose along the way. And sometimes you got frustrated. You would rip a page out and just use that, but then you wouldn't put it back in the right place. And nowadays we've got GPS and the GPS thing is absolutely fascinating. My favorite one is called Waze and Waze always brings you there faster than any way you could think of on your own. It's on your phone for goodness sake. And it's free and free. You just type in where you're going to go. It tells you when you're going to get there. It tells you the best way to get there. It routes you around traffic and all of that stuff. And it's like GPS, whatever that is. It's hard to believe that your phone is actually picking stuff up from satellites, but I guess it is, and you're finding your way around all of this stuff, and it's just absolutely a miracle. But the truth is, God has a GPS system, and all we have to do is follow that system. And the problem with us in North America, Western Europe, and uh, East Asia, a lot of us here, we've gotten so secularized that we no longer are picking up signals from God's GPS. We might even be believers, and we have good theology, and we study the Bible, but we have stopped picking up on God's guidance through his Holy Spirit. And the truth is, the cloud and the pillar of fire are still there, We just don't see them anymore in the same way that the Israelites did. So, how does God guide us? What is spiritual GPS? Now, there was a Stanford study on ideology which just came out, and I'll be posting that somewhere so you can find it. But it's a rather chilling study about Americans and what guides them. And what is guiding Americans now for the first time, for the first time in our history, more than family, More than vocation, more than your race or your ethnicity, more than your religion or your faith or your spirituality, is your political ideology. For the first time in American history, that is trumping everything. And people are breaking family relationships, breaking ties in churches, breaking ties with people of their their own race and ethnicity and culture because of ideological issues. And we all know people who've lost friendships over this this country's gotten super polarized and it's see people are afraid to post anything about any opinion because if you do there's a whole bunch of people who are going to come after you and they're willing to sacrifice their relationship with you to prove that they're right and i've never seen this in in my life and this this polarization is is such to the point where people are using that as their main gps now They're looking at the pandemic through the eyes of their ideology. They're looking at the elections through the eyes of their ideology. They're looking at economics through the eyes of their ideology. And depending on which news channel you're listening to, they have a certain ideology, and they spin everything according to that ideology. And that's becoming the main GPS now. I know believers, Christians, for whom their political, ideological views have become more important, obviously, and more passionate than their sense of their Christian faith. And if people had half the passion for their Christian faith as they do for their left or right wing ideology, we'd have revival breaking out everywhere. But it's gotten really bad. And we've this this ideological GPS has kind of taken over how we make our decisions. And we're no longer listening directly to the Lord because we're convinced that the Lord would agree with our political ideology. So how did How did the ancient Hebrews see God guiding them? Their ideology was pretty minimal. Their spirituality was really big. And I want to look at their spirituality because if you've ever looked at the idea of map making and surveying, they always triangulate things. And you need three points to determine a direction or a position. And the ancient Hebrews had three ways to listen to God spiritually so that they could be guided. And they were Shekinah, Ruach, and Malkuth. I've got them here on the screen. We're going to be talking mostly about Shekinah in Hebrew Shekinah. The Shekinah is God's presence, and it's it's basically symbolized by a cloud. Shekinah, the noun form Mishkan, is the Hebrew word for the tabernacle, the place where God dwelled, the place where his presence was, where Moses went to get direct guidance from God as to what to do. So the Shekinah is like a cloud, a cloud of presence. And some of you see into the spiritual realm, and you see these things more than other people, but we all have access to God's GPS. The second of the three points, which the Hebrews used to navigate, was called ruach, or spirit. The Holy Spirit is Ruach Hakadosh, the Holy, the Spirit who is holy, and the symbols for this are breath or burning, which is really interesting. You think, well, how could how could the Spirit have a symbol of breath and also a symbol of burning? Those seem opposite, but the truth is, you breathe in oxygen because oxygen creates the burning inside of you, that is oxidation, which energizes your body. Without oxygen, you will die oxygen feeds a fire you could send all kinds of air at a campfire and if there's no oxygen in it the fire is going to go out and i remember back in 1967 when the apollo one was sitting on the launch pad doing a test they had a pure oxygen atmosphere and a spark went off and all three astronauts were incinerated within seconds why because it's pure oxygen it burns and when you breathe, it allows your body to burn calories. Without oxygen, you could not do that. So breathing and fire kind of go together with ruach, or spirit, oxygen, combustion, burning, breath. And when the Holy Spirit came upon the, the apostles of Pentecost, what did they see? Flames as a fire. And there was a wind at the same time. The wind, breath, fire, that's the Holy Spirit. So you've got the shaking on the cloud of presence. You've got Ruach, which is the combustion, the energy that moves us forward. And the third one is Malkuth, which was Jesus' favorite of the three, which we translate as kingdom. And he basically talked about the kingdom all the time. It was his main message. Malkuth is where the heavenly connects with the spiritual. It's where the leverage is. It's where the torque is. It's where what moves the engine forward is when you lay hands on someone physically and the power of the Ruach, the spirit comes through you surrounded by the presence of God and stuff happens. When Jen leads worship, if we're paying attention, the cloud starts to form here. We start to sense God's presence. That's what worship is about. That's what worship brings about. And as we're breathing and singing, oxidation starts to happen. And when we lay hands on people and pray for them, the power of God comes through us. Jesus called that kingdom. It's where it's where we touch the world. We are conduits. We are like lightning rods for Malkuth or kingdom. And whatever we touch moves. This is why Jesus sent people out two by two to lay hands on people and heal the sick, raise the dead, because we have kingdom power. So those three things come together to create a sort of triangulation. And people back in Bible days who were Hebrew-thinking, Hebrew-culture people would sense God's presence in these three ways. But we're going to talk mostly about Shekinah, or the cloud. This is from Exodus 13, verse 21, if you'd like to get your Bibles or check on your phones. And the Lord went before them. These are the Israelites. The Israelites are spending 40 days in the wilderness in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and by night. What we have here is this flame at night, a cloud during the day, and when the camp was stationary, it would center and focus on the Mishkan or the tabernacle. This was the the tent of meeting, the tent of God's presence. And Mishkan and Shekinah are connected linguistically. And this is where Moses went to get direct direction, face-to-face from God, as to where to go. And I want to encourage all of you who are Christian leaders, if you're making decisions for your church during this time, go to that place and ask the Lord first. We're going to have a meeting very soon. We continue to meet as a board, as trustees at our church, trustees and pastors, and we get together. And the first thing we always do is seek the Lord. We seek the Lord. We go to the, spiritually speaking, the tent of meeting, and we ask the Lord, what should we be doing about these things? And then we go around the group and ask, what are you hearing from God? Because we believe that what God was doing then, he does now. He leads leads today like he did then. The Bible says, I am the Lord, I change not. In Hebrews 13, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's GPS is still broadcasting. The question is, are we going to pick up on it or are we just going to let our ideologies overrule everything, which is what's happening in our country right now? Would you rather live in a country where ideologies polarized and people fight and protest and beat each other up or would you rather live in a country where people sought the Lord for guidance? That's the only there is no political solution to what's going on. There's only a spiritual solution to what's going on. And we can all Model that by letting God decide what we do during the day, by and we practice that on the Sabbath. We should have a day every week that is unstructured, where we practice asking the Lord what we should do next. We shouldn't have a massive plan for our Sabbath, because if you do, it's not a Sabbath. What we want to do is let the Lord guide us through the day and tell us where to go. I'm not saying don't plan anything just sort of follow the Lord all the time. We need to do good planning, but we need to also practice listening to the Lord. And that's what a Sabbath is for. And I hope you're taking a Sabbath where you have unstructured time, where you let the Lord guide you through the day. Exodus 40, verse 34 says, When the tabernacle was finished, Basilel beat. he built the, the tabernacle. He was the first person who's mentioned having a spiritual gift, and that was craftsmanship. And he built the tabernacle, and the cloud of God's presence rested upon it and filled the inside and it was an absolutely beautiful thing and this is all the way through the bible the shekinah shows up all the way through the bible solomon built the temple later on once the hebrews got settled and became the nation of israel under saul david and solomon the kings and solomon built his temple and what filled the temple the cloud of god's presence the cloud of god's presence filled the temple at the transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus goes up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, his, uh, his three trusty inner circle guys. And what were they surrounded by? A cloud. They were surrounded by a cloud of God's presence. Jesus returning. And the passages like in Thessalonians that talk about Jesus returning, how is he returning? In a cloud. It doesn't mean he's returning in Oregon or Washington where it's always cloudy. What it means is he's bringing with him the presence the presence of God, and he returns in the presence of God, and when he ascended into heaven and was surrounded by a cloud, and really he was transformed into the heavenly realm. It's not like he went up and went into a nimbus cloud or a cumulus cloud or something like that. It was the cloud of God's presence. In John chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and dwelling, Shekinah, is a verb for dwelling, and Mishkan is the tent of dwelling. And he literally, I understand this was written in Greek, but John was a Hebrew thinking person and dwelt among us. His presence is among us. I was at the Western Wall of the Temple, 2011, I think it was, and uh, had a wonderful trip in Israel that was sort of by accident and 72 hours with a rental car. And I, I got at the airport in the middle of the night, and by sunrise, I was in Jerusalem. And it was like taking switchbacks up to uh, up to Big Bear or something. You get up to the top here, Jerusalem, and went to the old city. Found a parking place and went walking around the old city. And if you've ever been in the old city before things open, there's stray cats everywhere. It's a it's basically a cats it's a city just full of cats, which a lot of people wouldn't realize. And uh, got to the Western Wall, all that's left of the Temple Mount, and engraved in Hebrew, it says there. The Shekinah never departs from this place. The presence of God never departs from this place. And I remember walking up to the the wall to pray, and people all thought I was a Russian Jew, so they threw a hat on top of me. Started praying over me in Russian and brought me up to the brought me up to the wall, and I started praying, and I felt God's presence in to, in such thickness that it scared me, and it wasn't a good kind of scaring. I was thinking I need to get away from here, and I did, and I got lost, and I ended up in Palestine and Jericho and all kinds of checkpoints and everything else. But but when, when this happened, I sensed the cloud of God's presence there in that place. And if you go there, you will sense that. You will sense his presence in that place. Here's the big challenge. It's not like you can have a North American worldview, a Western European worldview, and just tag on this sort of uh, biblical GPS. You can't do that. We have to fundamentally restructure our worldview. The biblical worldview, starting in Genesis 1, has a conscious, creator, creative God. By day six, he has us made in his image. He's creating this beautiful place, one day at a time, for six days. And it is charged with spiritual energy. The biblical worldview, which Jesus taught with Malkuth and Kingdom, is that we are living in a world where heaven and earth are singing together and playing together and operating together and developing together. We're operating in this amazing creation, a creation where anything could happen, where anything that's broken can be fixed. And the biggest example of that was when Jesus was beaten to a bloody pulp on good friday and basically just a mess almost died from the flogging and then he was crucified and then he was dead capital d dead and put in a grave and he came out with a glorified body that's what set the apostles lives on fire they were thinking if god can transform this he can fix anything he can fix our vocations he can fix our our relationships he can fix our broken bodies he can he can Guide us through life. He can do all of these things. He can turn our scarcity into abundance if God can raise Jesus from the dead in this spiritually charged worldview. I'm using a picture of lightning here because it's sort of the heavens and the earth uh, kind of crackling together. And that's the biblical worldview. And Jesus came to teach the biblical worldview more than anything else. He taught forgiveness, he talked eternal salvation, but the main thing was live in this worldview. And work with abba he called the source of this world abba father and you're a part of it and you're a big part of it and you have access to all this power and all this guidance you see folks it's not enough to have a regular north american secular worldview oh oh, by the way except jesus you're going to miss the whole thing the biblical worldview works a whole lot better than the north american secular worldview it just does it functions better It gets us through life better. A secular worldview has no meaning in itself. It's just a bunch of facts. We have to have narrative and story that bring out the truth of what's going on. A secular, a purely scientific worldview has no room for love. What do you do with love scientifically? Truth, beauty, justice. There's no room in a scientific secular worldview for those things. And would you want to live without those things? I don't think so. Because those are the primary, the primary elements of human existence. And the biblical worldview is built around them. And what I'm asking you to do today, if you've got a typical secular worldview, and by the way, you've accepted Jesus, to give up your worldview. And to take on this exciting new worldview that Jesus teaches about where the cloud of God's presence is available, the Ruach of His Spirit is there, and Malkuth flows through our fingers when we accept the power of God that comes through us. This is the biblical worldview, and it's exciting. This is why we love the Bible stories, because we have, they're written by people who get this. And it is fundamentally true, and it fundamentally works. So are you willing to give up your worldview and take on the biblical worldview? and? Be open to sensing the cloud of God's presence. Here's some practical steps. First one, stay in the word every day. Pastor Tamra puts out a list, and we go through a chapter a day, and it has been quite a journey. I do a short teaching video, five to ten minutes every day on these passages to sort of uh, shed some light on the historical context and what's going on, and to bring out some things you might not have seen. but To discipline yourself to get into a real habit most of you brush your teeth every day and you some point you got into that habit and we really can get into the habit of doing Bible and I had a hard time with this when I first started out and someone shared with me a great phrase no Bible no breakfast and I'm motivated by food. So uh, I, I really did start getting into the word and then, then making breakfast. And now I can do it without worrying about breakfast. I can get into the word anytime. I'm excited about it. But when I was first starting out, I needed something to get me into the habit because it's that it's that habit which will create the miracle of spiritual compounding and some great things will start to happen in your life. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And staying in the word is a way for God to use his GPS. Because very often he speaks through a certain phrase in his word. And if you hadn't opened the Bible, you wouldn't wouldn't see it. So get into the word on a regular, regular basis. Number two, beware of ideology creep. Even for the most spirit-filled Bible-believing believers, Left-wing and right-wing ideology starts to creep in and take over. And people get passionate and obsessive about their political ideologies. And guess who takes a back seat? Jesus becomes an acolyte for their ideological beliefs. And they say, well, Jesus must have supported this, so I'm going to go after this. And uh, you have to be careful of that because it creeps in. And remember what you said to your parents? Everyone's doing it. Well, if everyone's acting this way, it doesn't seem so wrong to go there. Just let that sort of creep in. And there's nothing wrong with having an ideology, folks. We should have opinions, for goodness sake. But who's in the front seat, your ideology or is it Jesus? And I think for a lot of Christians, Jesus has been relegated to the back seat and the ideological beliefs are in the front seat. And that is not helping our country. It's not helping us at all. Beware of ideology creep. Number three, reject secular assumptions. Our whole education system, most of it, is based on a secular worldview. And we brainwash our kids that uh, a spiritual realm is sort of optional for those of you who need it. But the truth is, it's the way the world really is. There is no way to account for anything, existence, consciousness, truth, beauty, justice, without some sense of a spiritual worldview. Reject secular assumptions. Number four, cultivate a worship life. Now, some of you, and I've heard from some of you, so I know this is true. During the pandemic, some of you have said, you know, I kind of like this online church thing. I've got my coffee mug. I'm in my jammies. I've got a more comfortable chair than at church. And I don't have to argue with my kids on the way there. I think I'm just going to keep doing this. I would really caution you against that. Now, if that's all you can do, great. And sure, we want to stay connected online. But when we start gathering, I hope that you will start gathering. And if you're not within driving distance of the well at Surf City, perhaps you can dig a well, start a fellowship where you can get together in physical space with people and actually enter into worship of God, because worship brings the cloud of God's presence. And as we breathe, we start to to inhale and exhale the spirit, and the, the flame starts to go. And it's hard to worship on your own some of you can do it some of you spiritual athletes can do that but a lot of people have trouble worshiping on their own it we need it's like coals in a fire you need to be together sometimes to keep those things hot and i hope that when we start resuming public worship that we have more people here than we did before and i'm not just saying that cuz pastors like attendance and yes we do like attendance but what i'm saying is i hope that we will value more so, because we've been separated, more so than ever being together in a physical place when this thing is over. And it will be over at some point. Like I say, if you're not a part of a fellowship, start one in your house. Watch us on the video and start worshiping on your own. If you want to be a well digger, give me a call and I will help you get that started. Feed your sense of wonder. Your sense, children have a sense of wonder. It's just like, wow, look at that, that is so cool. You know, uh, the littlest things can be so exciting. I used to just, I couldn't wait when I was a little kid for the garbage man to come. Cause he had this gigantic truck and he had the, the trash compactor and it would squeeze the garbage. And I would just watch that. I thought, I'm gonna do that someday. Someday I'm gonna be one of those guys. Cause this is the best thing ever. There was a sense of wonder. And I would just invite you to hang around kids enough That you can rediscover your sense of wonder this is why god gives us children for goodness sake to be to be around that simplicity i know pastor tamra likes uh hanging around a a certain little guy that is um everett is something else and he has that sense of wonder and it rubs off on you and it is fun to have that around continue to cultivate your sense of wonder don't let ben there done that got the t-shirt the whole thing uh Don't let that take over your mentality. Keep doing new things. Have fresh experiences. Open yourself up to new ideas. Feed your sense of wonder. I'm going to invite Jen forward to sing us a really special song. This is a song in Britain that is as well-known, perhaps, as Amazing Grace is in the United States. It's one of those things most all Christians know by heart. It's called Lead Kindly Light. It's somewhat unfamiliar to most of us here in North America because it just isn't a part of our culture. But it means an awful lot to believers in Britain. And uh, to give you an example, in Durham in the early 1900s, there was a mining disaster. And I think a couple dozen miners were stranded Uh, for a long period of time. We've all seen mining disasters in the news, and they go after trying to rescue people, and we all cheer when they come out. And uh, this was happening in Durham, England. And what kept them going was singing this song. The miners would sing this together, uh, Lead lead Kindly Light, uh, because it was pitch black. My wife and I once went into a gold mine on a tour, and we were about a half mile in. They turned off all the lights to show you what real darkness was like. And this is what the miners were experiencing. They had pure darkness because all of their lights went out and they had no way of seeing anything, not even the hand in front of their faces, if you can imagine that. And they were singing together and that singing is what kept them sustained. When the Titanic went down, the British passengers, which was most of them since it was coming from Britain on the maiden voyage, were singing this song in the boats as it was lowered, as the lifeboats were lowered into into the water, into the cold icy water they were singing. Lead Kindly Light. When the British troops went into the trenches in World War I, when they first uh, would march there, would they be deployed, and they would often sing this on their way into the trenches. Betsy Ten Tenbaum, Corey Corrie Tenbaum's sister, sang this on the way to the gas chambers as she was led to her death. And Gandhi, who wasn't even a Christian, was asked, what's your favorite song? He said, This is it. And this song was written about the cloud. The cloud of God's presence that guided the Israelites that's still there for you today, that's still there for me today. I just invite you to open up your heart and think about the things that you're having the most trouble with, guidance wise. And if you can connect with Jen's heart as she sings this, My sense is you're going to start to sense the presence of God guiding you. And if some emotion starts to kind of well up inside you, let that happen. Because the Lord loves you and the Lord wants to guide you. He wants to lead you kindly with his light.
1: Kindly light.
2: Jen, that was gorgeous. Now I'm going to (laughs) cry, as I always do. Um, I had just told a friend two days ago that my mic just went off. Is it still in there? Okay. Um, She texted me and said, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm getting anxious and having panic attacks and she goes, "What do I do?" She was looking at everything around her and she was looking so far ahead that she couldn't see right in front of her. And I said, "Take it day by day. Take one step at a time. Pray and worship and trust that God's got you." And She thanked me for that, and she said, you're right. I'm starting to worry about things that I can't control, worrying about things that um, are so far ahead and getting so panicked about it. She goes, I can't see the blessings right in front of me. And um, she started listing, listing her blessings and what a difference it made for her. And for for me, because I started thinking, yeah, I've been doing the same thing. I started looking at too many of the things in front of me and not just, what's right in front of me? Lord, what's right in front of me that you need me to do? And that makes a difference. Um, One of the things House said today um, when he was talking about the biblical worldview is how in creation it was heaven and earth singing together. I loved that picture, and I thought, if we lived in that realm, how powerful would God be in us and through us? How we could have that kingdom of God and everything we do, do in his power, how powerful would that be? What would our world look like? What would our relationships look like? What would our vocations look like? What would our churches look like? What would disease look like? And I think, wow, that's the power I want to work in. That's the power I want to live in. And so many times we don't. Um, I remember, this was years ago, I was at a, a private retreat. I was specifically invited to this private retreat. And the leader was so powerful And she couldn't understand why we wouldn't want to operate in that power. And all of us did, but we were afraid. We were stuck. And so I want us all to become unstuck. I want those of you that are stuck in whatever ruts you are, um, not working in God's power, Let's get unstuck. Let's start working in that power. And so today we've got an opportunity. We've got an opportunity to ask the Lord to come in us and build up his power in us and through us where heaven and earth can sing together again, like in the beginning. That's God's perfect plan for us is to have heaven and earth singing together so that we can work in His power. So why don't you join me in prayer? I have no idea what I'm going to say, um, because I'm going to let the Lord lead me. That's what I, I just pray every time. Lord, just lead me. So if I pause, it's because I'm waiting for the Lord to say something. <sighs> Father God, we have failed you at times by not living in your word, living in your power, but living on the secular and the this political ideology. So forgive us, Lord. And Lord, now we just ask that you come into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirit, And let heaven and earth sing again. Lord, we want to work in your power. We want kingdom power here on earth so that when we pray, Lord, fire just comes out of our mouths. Lord, that when we pray, things change in an instant. Lord, that when we pray, healings happen. That it's not just a wish or a hope, but they actually happen. Lord, come down now and fill us with your spirit to overflowing so that your power will flow out through us. Now pray with me. Lord, fill me with your spirit of fire. Fill me with your kingdom power. Lord, I want to have heaven and earth sing again within me. Lord, let my prayers be powerful in your name. Lord, help me live the biblical worldview, not the secular worldview. Lord, if I have any ideologies that are not of you, just get rid of them. (laughs) Simple. Father God, I want you to be my leader. I want you to be my GPS system. Any other GPS systems, Lord, make null and void. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your Son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, for loving me and never departing me. Amen. Well, I felt a little power there. So, this week, people, my friends, my faith family, go and seek the Lord every day. Go in His power and in His victory. Because that's what we have with Christ's death on the cross. So we want you to just walk in confidence in the Lord, in power of the Lord, and do His will. So just do that, okay? So now that's the weird transition time always. It's time for announcements. Um, we want to pray for you. Um, we want to get to know you. We want to pray for you. And it's hard when you're not here with us. Um, but there's ways to do it. Email me. Any prayers that you have. It's Tamara underscore at Yahoo.com. Um, you can put prayers on the Facebook wall. Um, you can direct message me through Facebook or House if you want specific prayers. Um, in the comments, let us know where you are. And... Um, we just want to do that, and then um, our August prayer cards are here. We're, we're, and you know I make these. God gives these to me and um, Judy, who helps me, um, sometimes months in advance. And so we're praying against division. We're praying for unity. We're praying for healing, of our of our nation, in and of our nation. We're praying for peace and hope for all. We're praying for um, restoration of our land and our businesses i don't have my glasses on and i can hardly see this and we're praying for the eradication of covid19 we also pray for our president for our governor and for all those making decisions on our behalf and i don't know about you but they need our prayers so badly right now that it's ridiculous so please pray for them and pray for god's power to come into them pray that god Um, gives them wisdom and knowledge and discernment. Don't pray against them. Pray for them. Because I know people that pray against them. And that's not doing any of us any good. And it doesn't matter if you like them or not. Pray for them and pray for God's power, for his love, for his hope, for his faith, and guidance for them. I'm kind of passionate about that because I've heard too many people pray otherwise. And then please pray for protection and um, health for your pastors, for me, for Kim, for House, um, for our families as well. Um, and then pray that God continues to guide and directs the leaders of the well. Like House said, our trustees are going to be meeting soon. And so we need your prayers um, so that we can really fully just listen to the Lord. Let's see. I am skipping all around. My phone just moved. Sorry. So um, like how said, one of the ways that we can connect with God and have heaven and our sing is to be in the Word daily. Um, I know days get by you, but just read the Word at some point in time, whether it's first thing in the morning, at lunchtime, at dinner time, at bedtime, whatever it is, get into the Word. We've got a um, list going, and um, then watch House's videos. It's a great way to... Um, Stay connected to God that way. Um, our teacher training is 4 p.m. on Sundays. Everyone is welcome to come. We're still looking at a topic, the topic, a business plan for your ministry. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're a volunteer or if you're starting a new ministry or whatever it is, everyone needs a business plan. Um, You need job descriptions. You need plans um, for everything that's involved. And so um, please join us. This is our third week on this. Third week on this. So if you missed the first two weeks, don't worry about it. They'll catch you up. Just come and join us. It's 4 p.m. on Zoom. And if you need uh, to uh, get that information, contact House. Um, Ties and offerings, thank you guys so much. Um, Your generosity continues to amaze us. Um, We are just so grateful for all of you that continue to tithe. Um, We are one of those churches that have not suffered. And we know so many people that have or churches that have because their tithes and offerings have dipped down so low. And you guys, your generosity is overwhelming to us, and so we thank you for that. Um, so if you want to continue to the address is up there, it's 2221 Delaware Street, Huntington Beach. Um, you can go on to our website, DiveDeepTogether.com. You can text give, you can go on to PayPal, you can go to our Faith Life app. And if you want all that information, go to tinyurl.com slash Malachi 310 Giving and it gives you all the different ways to um, give. Another way um, is our patron. What is it? Patreon. Patreon so sorry. Patreon giving. Um, and you can go to patreon.com/slash worldwide web. Oh Word oh gosh, I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see. Worldwide well. Oh my gosh. No, I don't need them now because I'm done. You might be our first sponsor. And it's basically if you're not um, you're not used to giving on a monthly basis like some of us do, um, you can give a one-time gift, right? Five dollars a, a month. You can do, it's basically a sponsorship. So um, if you want to take a look at that, go ahead and go to um, patreon.com at worldwide well and you can get more information if you have questions. Contact House, and he can talk to you about that. That is it for this week. We hope you have a fantastic week. God bless you, and continue to walk in the light, lead the light, lead the light, let the light lead you, and um, go in God's power And letting heaven and earth sing. Amen. Bye, everybody.